Hello and welcome to The Winchester, the podcast where we explore everything to do with film, TV, entertainment, pop culture, you name it. If you're a nerd like us, then you're in the right place. We'll be diving deep into all things nerdy to discuss exactly what it is we love and hate about them. This week, we're reliving the same day over and over again. Literally, this is what we've been doing for weeks, months. Oh god, no. We're watching Groundhog Day. And we'll also be answering the question, what would you do if you could relive the day over and over again, but with no consequences? But first, let's do a recap of the week. Ben, what you got going on? Right now, thanks to the Assassin's Creed Valhalla trailer, I have decided to go back and play through as much of the series as I can. Uh, So I'm uh, picking my way through Assassin's Creed right now. Hoping to get through 11 games before Valhalla comes out. Damn. I only ever played the first two, so it's a bit of a throwback. I haven't played an Assassin's Creed game in at least 10 years now, so I'm really enjoying it, though I can feel some of the mechanics are a little dated. Which uh, which one's which one's your favorite so far? So far, I've only played 1 and 2, um, but I preferred 2 to 1. Mm, I really nice. liked 1. I, yeah. I, uh, that one, but it was kind of like the first of its kind. And uh, I remember being really, really excited about it when it came out. And I was going back and wanted to replay the first one. I had to start playing it on my Xbox 360, which it really does take you back. But uh, <laughs> I, I still really liked it. But maybe I'll also play through them all because I think I only played up to three, I think. I don't know. I loved number one. Number one, like, blew my mind when it first came out. Oh, I also absolutely. Loved, like, I loved, also love, like, I mean, medieval anything, I'm, I'm there for. I love going to medieval times. I love Lord of the Rings. I love all that shit. So having to, like, go out and, like, fight a bunch of Templars and stuff like that, I was all for it. Uh, the story was also really nice, too. But when Assassin's Creed 2 came out, they just basically did everything better. Even the story with it was great as well. I think it's because they made, you know, him... They made Etz... Uh, oh, no. What's the it was, name? It, it was Etzio. Etzio. Oh, no, Altair's, Altair's, right. Altair's number, number one. one. Etzio's two uh, revelations yeah. and brotherhood. Yeah, you follow uh, okay. you follow him through. I was like, I can't believe I got the two mixed up. But, um, <laughs> yeah, Ezio was just, like, such, like, a very, you know, kind of, like, Han Solo-y, charming kind of, like, dude, you know? And I was just like, okay, all right, we got a little bit more of, like, a, a suave. He gives you a little bit more options when you're talking with people, you know, instead of just Altair, who was, like, all business all the time. Uh, three, I wasn't the biggest fan of. Like, I played it, but then I love how they made an entire game out of the best part of Assassin's Creed 3, which is just pirate ship battles. I'm really looking forward to Black Fl- playing Black Flag. You know, the only thing that I hated about Black Flag, though, is that you had to have this stupid blowpipe on the back of your uh, on the back of your uh, outfit, and it just kind of dangled there. It just looked like a twig. It looked so <laughs> dumb, and it just annoyed the shit out of me. If I, if I remember correctly, just going back to your point about Ezio being so suave, if I remember correctly, isn't one of the first moments of Assassin's Creed 2, like when you're actually playing as Ezio, he like crawls in, into a girl's window and hits on her or something? Yeah, something like that. Like it's either like it's either like he's coming out of a person's like room or like he's just straight up making love. Yeah, he uh, he w- he was a bit of a womanizer if I remember correctly. But mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to. It. I I preferred the second one just because I preferred the setting. Like I thought that the worlds were just felt so much more real and visceral, and uh, I love like kind of Renaissance era Italy. So I thought that was really cool. They they even yeah. had. Um, uh, Leonardo da Vinci in the second one. Yeah, yeah. I remember. You had to that. do some missions for da Vinci. That was cool. Yeah, and isn't Kristen Bell in the mall? Is she in the mall, or is it just the like first two? Oh, she was in the real world. Yeah, yeah, she's the doctor in the real world. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember. I remember one game. You like escape the real world place. But is that the end of one, or is that the end of two? I can't remember which one it was in. But you you have that whole free running. You get to play as Desmond at some point. Yeah, but there's uh, like one one part where you're like climbing up a crane. Yeah, there's on the, the outside of a building. Yeah, one of the game ends as you're playing as Desmond running through the warehouse of Abstergo. I th- yeah. that might be one. I remember that ending blowing my mind. When I first played Assassin's Creed, I played through it in two days. I could not put the controller down. God damn. I mean, it's only like a 20 hour game and it was yeah. summer. It was the summer when I was a kid in high school. Well, I've been rewatching the Valhalla trailer like crazy. Yeah. Assassin's Creed trailers are always awesome. I just, they're just so good. 
Uh, I read a thing today, actually, that um, they're going to allow you to have um, great swords now in Ooh. Assassin's Creed. So that's going to be cool. Going to be a Viking with a great sword. I'm just going to helicopter through a through a level. <laughs> I I'm just looking forward Cut to throwing axes. That's going to be sweet. Uh, Hannah, what's uh, what's going on this week with you? So um, I finished Devs earlier this week. Again, still really enjoy it. Still think everyone should watch it. It was really really cool, and the ending kind of blew my mind a little bit. I won't give too many details away, obviously, but it, it's a really, really good show. I don't know if they're going to come back for a second season. It might be kind of like a Legion thing where they just leave it at, at one or two. But the other thing that I watched this week, and uh, I know this is going to come out a couple weeks after this quote-unquote season finale. Uh, I won't give out too many details, Ben, in case you haven't watched it yet. But I just finished Riverdale this season, and I think I might be done. <laughs> I was about I, to ask, do you, did you finish this season, or did you finish Riverdale this season? Uh, so <laughs> this show has, like, I, I've been watching it since the beginning. The first season, I really liked. The second season was just, like, batshit insane. And it's just gotten, like, continually more batshit since the show has gone on. And this season was just, like, I kind of hit my breaking point a little bit. A lot of ridiculous stuff happened that didn't seem to go with the plot at all. Like just all these circular stories going on. And it, it's kind of unfortunate because the last episode was pretty decent. Yep. And Mad... I can never say her name. Madchen... Ma- <laughs> Amichik? Yeah, Madchen Amichik directed it. Uh, she's the... She played Lisa Palmer, right, from Twin Peaks? Is that her yes. name? Yes, Laura Palmer. Laura Palmer. And she got some pointers from David Lynch. And, like, it, it really came across. Like, I think she did a really good job in directing the episode. It just is such a bummer that the rest of the season was such a, like, dumpster fire that, like, this this episode, it, it didn't really get to tie everything up in a way that I think it, it should have. And obviously they had to cut the season eight episodes short because... No, sorry, she played Shelley Johnson. Shelley Johnson. Peaks. And it's, uh, it's Matt, Madchen... Emic. Okay. I don't know why I inserted extra syllables there, but <laughs> I could never say her name. She, I, I, again, I think she did a really good job. But yeah, the episode or the season has just been so stupid, <laughs> like just so so stupid. And like, I'm sorry if I'm offending anyone, but <laughs> it just like it has jumped the shark now about ten times, and I reached a breaking point where I was like literally yelling at my television because I'm just so done. Phil even tapped out like he's like he was watching it with me for fun before and like now he's just like no. (laughs) See I've been watching I've been only half watching this season like I'll be I'll scroll through Reddit while it's on and I'll just be kind of like oh really okay and then go back to Reddit but like it's insane to me that this season has been on one hand the most grounded and on the second hand the most batshit insane like I don't don't know how they do that. Yeah, I and the the circular storylines are the things that are bugging me the most. Like either they're circular and they keep happening over and over again and no one seems to learn their lesson or they just don't go anywhere. Like So let me let me guess you're talking about uh Veronica and her oh rum business. Oh my god. I because hate Veronica. She keeps doing the same things over and over and over again. Daddy, I don't trust you, Daddy. Like I'm just done. I can't I can't deal with Veronica <laughs> and her fucking dad. I'll be honest, the storyline that intrigued me, intrigued me the most was was the uh, whole secret society at Jughead School, but it at the same time it also wasn't that great. Well, and it like had nothing to do with anything else in the show. Why did they even have it? Like the 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 videotape storyline, obviously there's spoilers. <laughs> the videotape storyline is so much more interesting and so much creepier. And then they just like leave from that and go to like this whole storyline about Jughead going to private school for some reason. Like, and it and goes nowhere. <laughs> see, the only reason it makes any sense at all to have that is just in the last episode I watched where, um, without going too much into spoilers, the videotape showed up. You know what yeah. I mean? The, the tape showed up and it was like, okay, so... All of that was just for this one little setup. Yeah. And I, then like, there's a, there's there's also there's two videotapes that tie into that storyline, but minorly. And like there, there's certain points where this happens pretty early in the season. I think you how you're decently up to date, Ben. I I don't. La, the last episode I watched was Lynchian. Okay, so that's the last episode. 
Oh, is it? I thought there was one more episode. Oh, sorry. No, Lin- Lynchian was too. So yeah, you you know this thing. So there's one scene where they introduced fucking Sam Widower, who's like a pretty big sci-fi actor in television shows. And yep. then they just make him jump out a window. Darth Maul. Darth Maul jumps out a window. It's the <laughs> second time he's fallen to his death. <laughs> it just, uh, like, they, they were doing shit like that, and it just, like, this season, and Veronica is an idiot, and, like, everyone's an idiot. Like, even Betty this season is an idiot. Like, I, I don't know what happened. It's... Oh, and then, uh, I don't want to go too far into spoilers. I know some, I know some of our listeners do watch it. Um, I'm, a, I'm seasons behind, so thank you for all of this. Um, Appreciate it. I'm just going to go ahead and delete this off my watch list. Yeah, uh, give up now. It goes nowhere. Honestly, Scott, there's no point. It's Don't waste your time. You've, ar- you've already seen the best of it. I, I watched I watched quite a bit. I, I fell off of you know the Riverdale wagon, cause unfor- not because I didn't want to watch it, but just because of life got in the way. I don't remember when I stopped watching it, but it was... Oh, it was like, oh, the snakes went to the school now, and or the serpents <laughs> went to the school, and then ju- there's a jughead and a drug dealer old lady. Oh, and then he skins yeah. her. He f- he flays her arm. Yeah. <laughs> but um, that's going to bring us to our question of the week, which is, what would you do if you could live the day over again with no consequences? So let's uh, let's jump in. Hannah, let's start with you, since you're all fired up. <laughs> okay, I, I, I was trying to think about this, and it's hard because you would always restart your day back where you were initially. So traveling anywhere far would be out of the question, because, like, first thing that came to mind was, like, go to New Zealand and see Lord of the Rings land. But no, that's not possible, because the flight there is, like, a day. And so I just spend the entire day in torture on a plane and then not even get anywhere at the end of it. So that would would suck. I guess what I settled on is like just teaching myself stuff. Like right now I'm trying to learn how to 3D model. um, So I'd probably just do that a lot and then be really good at it and then not be able to use my skills for anything because my day just keeps restarting. No, but this would be, this would be, um, you would learn it, and then eventually, when you get out of the cycle. When you, when you learn life's <laughs> lesson. When you learn life's lesson, you get out of the cycle, and you can use all those skills. Okay, I, then yeah, I guess I would just teach myself a lot of shit. <laughs> then come out on the other end like a genius, like uh, <laughs> Neo in the Matrix, I would know Kung Fu. Yeah, that's um, uh, that's that's exactly where where my head went to as well. Because I was like, well, what can I do? Like, why would I rob a bank? Why would I? Like, I can't use it. Can I find a loophole and like bury the money in the ground or something like that? But um, turns out that the last day is the day you rob a bank and you just spend the rest of your life in prison with all of these skills you've learned. <laughs> while we were wa- while I was watching Groundhog Day, I was like, I, wouldn't it be hilarious if he just like. Like when he totals the car, I just be like, that's the day he starts living again. <laughs> just screws it all up. Um, yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. Uh, yeah. I would I would want to do like, you know, first experiences. I would want to try as much as I could try. Like I would even go so far as to be like kind of weird and be like, okay, I wonder what would happen if I get hit by a train. Like go full Groundhog Day. <laughs> Not because I'm like, if I knew I was just going to restart it again, I'd do it. I was just like, oh my God, like <laughs> what is it actually like to be shot or what is it actually like to you know i want to i want to hijack a tr- like a train i want to go full full red dead and see what happens <laughs> i approve of that i want to it's not that i want to it's not that i want to like steal a train i want to ride a horse alongside a train and jump onto the train that's what i want to do but first you want to learn how to ride a horse first i want to well i've yeah Learn probably. I've ridden a horse, but I haven't learned how to ride a horse. <laughs> <laughs> you just sat on a horse and somebody or somebody went, yeah, and you took off? Uh, no, like they didn't. So we actually, <laughs> random tangent, but I went to Ecuador with a couple of people back during the Degrassi days and they were just like, okay, we're going to go on this horseback trail ride. And they put, gave us, they put us all on horses and they're like, okay, great, follow us. And I was like, oh, none of us have ridden a horse before. And like weirdly, you had to like learn how to do it. And then it didn't help that where we were taking these horses was like on the edge of a friggin' cliff. So it's like, if you make one wrong move, you're like off the cliff. And like the tour guide leader, I forget what his name was, but he was like tiny little Ecuadorian man. Like we'd be like, are we, are we sure we're going to do this? He's like, yes, yes, come, come. (laughs) 
I was like, all right, this is the day I die. And they were filming yeah. a documentary while we were there. So I was just like, and they're going to get it on camera. This is great. But yeah, mine's uh, first experiences, try thing, try new things out. And especially skills, like learn how to put your 10,000 hours in to become an expert, you know? Yeah. Uh, ben, what about you? I've been thinking about this and... I I take a bit of a mix of both what you what you were both were saying, but I think honestly I would try and learn a little bit more about myself. Do a little, do some soul searching and kind of exploring and uh, discovering about myself and um, kind of uh, it, this seems sounds to me almost like a like a cheap answer, but like I wanna 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 try out different things to find out what truly makes me happy. Mm-hmm. And kind of expand on that stuff. Like, sure, try try things here and there and see kind of what grabs me, but also, like, um, work on myself and being a better human. That's right. a good answer, Ben. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a che- it's, it's a cheesy answer, but it's, it's true. I mean, like, that's kind of... I'm a very big proponent of uh, your mental health is one of the most important things, period. And I think being trapped in the same day over and over and over again you'd need to do things for your mental health and i think exploring what makes you you is a very important part of um, taking care of your mental health yeah and it's something that a lot of us like even i'm going through it right now where you're trying to figure out like what you actually want to do and it's very hard when you have to make money and you have to pay the bills and like you have people relying on you to kind of take many chances And I think you're right. If you're able to live the same day over and over again, you could kind of figure out exactly like what you want to do with your life. And you could potentially learn the skill to allow you to do that. So I think uh, I think that's a good answer. Now, I do want to I do want to throw a little I was going to say editor's note, but none of us are actually the editor. So I do want to throw a little note out there and just say like to any anyone listening, don't wait for yourself to get stuck in an endless loop of days to work on your mental health and work on yourself. Um, I think everyone needs to do that every single day, just a little bit, um, to help themselves kind of cope with the situations we're in, whether it's whether it's a good situation or a bad situation, working on your mental health is always a very, very important thing. So don't wait to do that. Can I take back my answer? <laughs> Sorry, um, I, I organize events and charities for uh, mental health awareness and stuff like that. It's something that's very, very close to my heart. So it's something I really want people to know, like work on your mental health. That's brilliant. Alrighty, well, with uh, Ben's heartfelt answer, we're going to go <laughs> straight into uh, our discussion of Groundhog Day. It's an oldie but a goodie. Who wants to start? This, this is a movie that's... Um, uh, it's very near and dear to my heart. This is a this is a movie that myself and my family <laughs> watched million times. We still we still all quote it to this day. Not a day goes by where I don't hear uh, the name Phil thrown out and think Phil Phil Connors. Uh, most of the, a lot of the time when someone says the name Phil, I actually say that out loud, and then I have to catch myself sometimes because it's not always the right time to say that or to break out into Groundhog Day quotes. It's been a few years since I've actually seen this movie. I watched it a lot as a kid and growing up, and honestly, this this actually this was the first time uh, that my wife Alicia had ever. Um, experienced the movie. So that was kind of a little special. She now understands uh, some of the Bray family humor. Some of, not all. Um, (laughs) I find this movie still holds up. I'm still enamored with it right from the beginning. I mean, there's some questionable and problematic moments in the movie. That's for damn sure. (laughs) Um, But I I still... I don't know. I see those moments and I... towards the middle of the movie where um, Phil's being a little predatory when it comes to uh, his love interest. I Uh, totally (laughs) forgot how creepy rapey Bill Murray was in this. Oh, he gets... See, on 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 one hand, I see like he know or like he spent enough time. He kind of knows how she feels and knows that he'll only get the one day with her. But at the same time, it's very creepy and very over the line. Especially that scene where he had the one good day, and then it's like the day's happening again, and he's like overly enthusiastic. Uh, like throwing the snowballs at the at the kids. And it's that like, part's so funny though. The way he it, says it, he's like so ah, a snowball. 
I want to have kids so bad. Are any of you up for adoption? Oh my god! It was it's, it was nuts. To to me yeah. that just that was to me that just felt like it was like he had the one day and he's never been able to enjoy a day or ha- like feel that joy again. And it's kind of the the frustration that he's trying so hard to replicate the one perfect day he's ever had. Yeah, he's like yeah. to me that was his character kind of grasping for a sense of happiness again. Like yeah. he felt like a broken man to me, especially the way he was like like I said he was like. Haha, I throw a snowball. Like, it just felt like so, like, I'm trying to be happy right now. Okay. Okay. But, like, I don't know. I, f- I also, I, he felt really creepy in those moments. But at the same time, looking further into the movie, it felt like his character grew so much more because he realized, like, that's no way to treat someone. Yeah. Right? yeah like, By the like, end, he's treating her so open and honestly. Yeah. And, like, that whole section ha- still happens. Maybe not early in the movie, but there's still a lot of movie that happens after that section. And um, I do think it definitely got better. And I'm glad that they didn't like end the movie where he had just been doing the same thing over and over and over again to try to get in her pants, which was like it just like I'm glad that they kind of went a different direction. And he kind of he still was getting to know her, but he was focusing on other things as well, like learning how to play the piano and like helping other people out and like it it definitely shows his progression from like that kind of creepy dude to really changing himself and figuring out you know what makes him happy instead of just focusing on that one aspect and and it, one of the things i love about this movie and the message that it kind of has is by working on himself and finding kind of going back to what i said earlier what makes him him and what makes him happy that's kind of what showed her the kind of person he was and what she fell in love with was the good person that he became not the obsessive person that he was right because he was saying all the right things to her he knew what she liked he was saying the right things but that's not what she liked about him what she liked about him was his honesty and his openness and his willingness to go out of his way to help others rather than at the beginning of the movie where he was only out for himself And it is interesting, like, now that I'm thinking about it, because that kind of stuff takes years for people to learn. Like, I was listening to another podcast the other day, and um, it had Mark Manson on it, who is a guy that wrote uh, those books, Everything is Fucked, and, um, oh, what was the second one? Uh, Oh, no, his second one is Everything is Fucked. The first one was, I I can't remember what it's called. Did he write Unfuck Yourself? No, not that one, but it's another book with the same kind of how to to not give a fuck or something like that. (laughs) Oh, yes, yeah. Um, And he was talking about how, like, he was raised basically to, like, not really deal with his emotions, and it took him, like, years and years and years. And I think this is, I mean, I'm speaking for men right now. I'm so sorry. Like, maybe you guys can (laughs) jump in here. But Are you mansplaining to us? I am, I am. Um, It seems like a lot of men are raised to not like kind of have a stiff upper lip type man up thing and they don't have a, a ton of emotional intelligence. Uh, obviously not everyone is the same. Ouch. But <laughs> I mean, Ben, after that heartfelt thing you just said, I think you are right up there on the emotional intelligence scale. But not all men do. And I think this was a very interesting look at like he had to learn that day after day after day and he finally figured it out. And it's just a, like a bit of a interesting look at that. Absolutely. I mean, that's well. I well, I will admit that that uh, that kind of middle section is a little problematic. I would not want the film without that version of Phil Connors in it, because it without that version, it doesn't show his full character arc. It doesn't show yeah. his unrealization that that was problematic and that wasn't the way he should be and that wasn't the way to the was that wasn't the way to lead him to personal happiness and personal fulfillment uh for for that was kind of immediate gratification rather than lasting gratification yeah yeah well i mean like you gotta you have to you have to show that he's a terrible friggin dude before and then so that there's a significant change like he goes from zero to 100 you know like that's his his character's arc right there like he's the worst dude and then he becomes the big dude and i think i don't think i would take anything out of what his character goes through because then you wouldn't have the same impact 
No, because when he when he kind of um, starts his realization when the in his personal his his kind of journey towards personal growth when um, when the when the older man passes away in the hospital, I honestly I started to tear up at that point. I felt yeah. how he felt that helplessness that that drive to better the world around me, not just for me but for the people around me. Um, and going on that journey to make sure that every person in that town, at, at his personal expense, has a good day, and that—that's kind of—I I love that. Yeah, that moment with the uh, with the old man, the homeless man. Uh, I, I love that. I think it's great. It really starts to sh- you really start to see a change in him. You, you see, you see his his mask, his barrier break down when he's like, "Can I see him?" And they're like, "No, he's he's no longer with us." And yeah. you see that you see the character. That's it's it's a huge testament to Bill Murray's acting ability too, because he's someone that everyone knows as a goofy comedian, right? Yeah. If you think of a Bill Murray movie, how many dramatic roles come to your mind? Probably one. In the middle of this comedy, heartfelt, but it's a comedy. It's it's Harold Ramis. It's a comedy. <laughs> you have this character, this this over the top kind of comedic actor that everyone knows as a comedic actor break down and you feel his despair and his 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 hopelessness through that fa- that facade that that is a huge testament to Bill Murray's ability I think totally I will say having said all that about his his growth and his character arc I will say that uh Bill Murray at the beginning of the movie when he just it's trying to get through the uh, the Groundhog Day ceremony as quickly as possible and as concise as possible. And once it's done, he's done. That's my spirit animal right there. I I, 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 it, it, I, I identify with that version of Bill Murray so much sometimes that it's I, after going on this long tirade about finding personal happiness and working on your mental health. The Bill Murray that doesn't give a shit is the one that I identify with. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's and that's a thing, right? Like, it, it's not to say that you know the Bill Murray that's changed wouldn't have those bad days like later on down the line, but it's like how you choose to live your life every day, essentially. And if you go into every single day cynical and you know, kind of poking fun at everything, which I am putting my hand up right now because I have done that for <laughs> a lot of my life. Um, and I, I'm, I think I'm getting better at, you know, trying to trying to look at the, the positive things in life instead of just like kind of a cynical look at everything. But it's it's about showing up every day and deciding like, you know what, today I'm not going to look at the news Today, I am going to not engage with that person. Today, I'm going to, you know, help this person out. Groundhog Day kind of has boiled that down to learning that lesson by having to live the exact same day over and over and over again. (laughs) And the the thing is, it's not about being the best person or being perfect. It's about working every day to be a little bit better than the day before. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and that's what becomes evident by the end of this film. For sure. And th- like you guys said, it's like it's a bit of a turning point with the the homeless man and um I agree that that one scene there there was another scene with the homeless man or someone in uh, I think it was the homeless man where he's in the back alley and the guy's passed out and like Bill Murray's giving him uh CPR. That's a that's an intense intense scene. Th- this movie has a lot of uh dark moments whether comedic or serious. Yeah. Well, I like the dark moments because when they when they happen, they hit and they hit hard and they make you stop and uh, and just take in exactly what's happening. And ultimately, they make you feel something like the whole the whole stuff with um, with the homeless elderly man. It just it breaks my heart. And that's the moment where I like that's so powerful and that's so smart. But um, yeah, I was actually just going through the list right here. And there's a lot of like Canadian actors that are in this. Yeah. There's a lot of incredible actors in this. Yeah. Like, I just... So, Doris the Waitress, played by Robin Duke. I didn't realize this was her, but I worked with her, like, a year and a half ago. Really? Yeah. Yeah. She's, like, the nicest woman. She's been in a few things, because Alicia pointed her out, too, as uh, recognizable. Yeah, I had no idea it was her, though. Oh, my God. And do you guys remember seeing Andy McDowell in things? Oh, yeah. (laughs) She, she, She was, like... Do you need a um, 
a what's the word I'm a lovable for? tall I brunette. Uh, <laughs> I no, wanted to say marmy, but I don't think that's the right word. <laughs> smarmy, really? No, mar marmy. Oh. I was going to say, I don't don't think Smarmy really uh, describes Andy McDowell at all. She is the opposite of Smarmy. What is Marmy? Am I just making up words? I think you're just making up words. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, she used to be in a... Oh, okay. Yeah, Marmy is a a thing on Urban Dictionary. (laughs) Oh, don't trust Urban Dictionary. (laughs) (laughs) The mother of four girls, such as the March sisters from Little Women. Okay, that makes sense now. So yeah, she's... I don't know. She's, is she is she like marmy? She's kind of she's kind of marmy. Like she's like a a motherly kind of figure. I think isn't she? I don't know. This Maybe is I'm... this is the first time I, after God knows how many times I've seen this movie that I actually noticed her southern drawl. Yeah, I never picked she... up on that, and I've watched oh, this movie shit. countless times. There's words here and there. And I was like, wait a second, that sounds is it? And then I was I turned to Alicia in the middle of the movie. I was like, does she sound southern or is it just me? And she's like, no, oh no. She's got an accent, a southern accent. Fuck, you know what? You know the the teenage girl in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Yeah, yeah. With the feet on the dashboard? Is that That's her daughter? That's fucking Andy McDowell's daughter. Really? Yeah. Oh, shit. I, she does, now that I, I've seen this, she does kind of look like her a little bit. Yeah, now that I okay. think about it a bit. Speaking of oh, shit moments in this movie, uh, <laughs> there's a young Michael Shannon. Yeah. Yeah, you guys caught that. I did not catch that. Oh, I didn't I, catch that. Alicia cool. caught that. <laughs> I was, I was like, holy shit! Like it was. He's the guy who gets married, and he's he's having second or the wife's ha- the fiance's having second thoughts, and uh, he comes over to uh, Bill Murray, and he's like, hey, thanks, man, you really did. And like the way that he's standing, and the way that he's like holding his hands, and he that little that he's got like. I don't know, like this growliness to his voice. I was like, that sounds like Michael Shannon. And then he did this like quirky little smile. And I was like, holy fuck, that's Michael Shannon. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder how old he must have been in that movie. Probably pretty young. eh? He must have been like early 20s. Like he looked young. This was Uh, 83? 93. 93. Holy shit. Yeah. So, well, I guess 93, that was 20 years ago. So he was probably mid to late 20s. So he's probably about our age in there. I forgot that Andy McDowell was also in Ready or Not. Did you guys see that one? No. It's it's pretty good. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Um, highly recommend. But yeah, she's in that. She plays in- That's uh, for a different episode, Hannah. <laughs> she plays a very different character in Ready or Not than in this movie. <laughs> okay, then. Um, I think my, my favorite uh, not Phil Connors character is Ned, played by Stephen Tobolowsky. Yeah. I love Stephen Tobolowsky. He's such a great character actor. And uh, what's the other? I he, The guy from Schitt's Creek. Oh, Chris Elliott. What's his name? Chris Elliott. Yeah. I always, I see him in like everything and then I can never remember. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of my favorite moments in the movie is when Stephen Tobolowsky just gets clocked. And and Phil just (laughs) walks away with a big smile on his face. He's been waiting to do that for how many years? Because I I don't know how long he's been in in the loop at this point. But yeah, I guess like, I don't even know. I know we talked about what we would do if this, if we were in this situation at the beginning of this episode. But like, I don't know how I would deal with that. I think for the first week, it wouldn't be good. Would you just, (laughs) yeah, I would actually, as I mentioned him getting, knocked out i was thinking like would the first week just be releasing frustration doing things you know you really shouldn't do out of like a cathartic sense of bliss you know what i mean like just get the frustration out or would you like yeah would you be depressed would you really realize what's happening at first or would you be yeah confused it's See, I feel- we we gave our idyllic, idealistic answers. Like we knew yeah. what was happening when we went in, but what what would you do if you didn't even know? How would you? Well, react? We, we we also we also answered the question like knowing that we would get out of the situation. Yeah. And I think the first like the first like at least couple of days in, I would assume I would be being like, oh my god, how do I get out? Like, yeah. Is this, are we going full Groundhog Day? What's the lesson I need to learn? Oh my God, am, am, am I creepy rapey? Oh my God, no. <laughs> but it's like, I would I would be spending like the first like day being like, okay, if this is full Groundhog Day, I have to learn a lesson. What's that lesson? And then admit to my wrongdoing, you know? Like, but then the, and then like, as soon as it would like, I feel like at some point you'd be like, oh, oh God, I have to work to try to get out. You then like, you try to force it, right? And then afterwards, like once it all kind of subsides, you're like, oh, I guess this is what... It is now. And then you go through a period of like just doing everything, doing anything that you want. Like you don't give a shit anymore, right? 
Uh, that's why that's why Bill Murray kills himself. Yeah, I think it's just like it's classic movie, like classic, like you know the the cycles of grief, right? Like you go into the denial, you blah blah blah. But I think sooner or later, if it ends happily, you would try things out. But eight years, like if this whole thing takes place over eight years, uh, I've been lo- doing some more looking into it. So Harold Ramis had said at some point that it was originally supposed to be ten thousand years, and then there was a comment about it being only 10 years and someone did some math just based on some of the facts we know about what happens um like his list of deaths um how long it took him to learn the piano stuff when his comment to uh to annie mcdowell about how she said oh must take a lot of practice to be this good at flicking cards and he says um no it only takes about six six months if you practice five to ten hours a day so that's that's six months right there dedicated just to card flicking kind of thing um six but, months is way too long anyway <laughs> harold ramus after someone did these numbers apparently he said i think the 10-year estimate is too short um, because it takes at least 10 years to get good at anything and he, he he said it would be more like at least 30 or 40 years that he was in this better be a damn good day that we get to relive haven't you been reliving the same day over and over for the past month and a half yeah it's kind of felt like that (laughs) you're you're in groundhog day right now yeah it has it has kind of felt like that we're kind of in a groundhog day ish scenario where we don't really know when things are going to go back to normal and i think i've kind of hit my like bill murray moment (laughs) now where it's kind of like okay i can't do anything about it so i'm just gonna keep living my life the way that i can right now and maybe i'll learn a life lesson when we come out of this (laughs) i don't know what (laughs) but um yeah no i i i I like how this is turning into a a real life (laughs) covid19 like how are we coping with this but um yeah no i have to agree like i i i want to say like maybe a week or two ago, I hit a moment where I was just kind of like, I'm naive if I think work is coming back this year. Because even if, like for me, especially because, you know, there's a lot that goes into like, into filmmaking, it's months and months and months of planning. Like I can't just like that, that stuff doesn't happen in a week. You know what I mean? So let's say this thing goes until October until it's like safe for people to get out. No, no productions are going to start up in November. October, November. There's no way. No one's going to start filming at that point because with all the weather that's going to be happening, everything like that, like I, I, to me, I'm trying to figure out how to do things for, to reach 2021. And that's, <laughs> which uh, is so crazy. Cause like it's May. Yeah. And now like, we're, we're already thinking like, this is a really big tangent right now, but I read an article, I think it was Rolling Stone where they were interviewing a bunch of people who worked in the film industry and oh yes i read this too yeah a lot of them had very interesting takes on it and it i actually wanted to talk about this but completely forgot about it until right now but it makes me wonder if there's going to kind of be a bit of a boom of smaller middle budget movies coming out because they can actually start filming sooner than the like huge blockbuster movies yeah so maybe maybe we'll get some more like Groundhog Day style movies. <laughs> well, yeah, you'll have less red tape to cut through. Yeah, yeah. But, but the trick though is getting the the trick though is getting the unions on board for that because you can have a whatever uh, size cast that you want. But let's say for Groundhog Day, for example, the Groundhog Day ceremony. I don't know why I said yeah. ceremony so weird. Ceremony. <laughs> um, ceremony. Ceremony. <laughs> I went to Juilliard. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> The Groundhog Day ceremony has like 300 plus people at it. Yeah. Like, well, so when you're thinking of it, like, yeah. no, there will be no big background performer days for anything. If they want to do crew sizes, like, they're going to have to, like, I read a thing the other day and it said, oh, cut the AD department in half. And I was like, oh shit, that's me. <laughs> I, <don't laughs> I, <do> that. <laughs> I was like, no, we can't do that. And I was like, good luck if you want to have one AD on set. Like, no way. Yeah. Like, there's no way. Some of the things that people are saying, Oh, this is what we could do. Like, we'll never work for, and it also depends on the type of show. But then also at that point, you have to then go to the unions and be like, okay, well, this, like, we're going to do this. But if you told the directors go to Canada, oh, we're only going to have half the AD team, they're going to say, no. 
You just uh, have to be like uh, Yadorovsky and be like, fuck the union. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then none no, of our movies get made. That's it. Just, just going back to Groundhog Day for a sec. Um, <laughs> um, one of the things that I really liked about this and is and is always really hard when it comes to like either be time travel or you know you know something to do with you know shooting the exact same scene multiple different ways is always the execution of it. And when I was watching this movie, I was like, okay, how do they how do they do this? And I noticed that a lot of the takes. A lot of the shots were like a one shot. A lot of them were oneers. You know, camera pulls back and then pushes into the bend, and they all just do it. And I was like, "That's so, that's smart." I mean, and you think about like, okay, well, how would you do it? Because that's what all filmmakers do. And and you're just like, no, it's smart because you do the one setup, and you can then change costume if you need to if Bill Murray's in a different costume, and you just change your change direction slightly to be like, okay, this is day ten thousand. And you go from there. And it's also a super cost-effective way. And you can also do the thing called block shooting, which is if it's a scene between us at a table, let's say it's a square table, and then I'm on one side, and then you guys are on the other side. And we, so we basically form an L formation. But we have to do a scene of like, okay, we're, we have to do... It's it's five scenes of this exact same like setup. Same blocking, same everything. We're at a diner, let's say, to use a Groundhog Day uh, as an example. That's what I was um, picturing was that diner. So we're good. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. So the whole thing is like, okay, we do, we like, if it's not a big serious uh, set decoration change, like at one point they have all of the donuts and they have all this junk food on the table. Let's say it's just coffee. Um, but then there's costume changes. You could do a thing called block shooting, which is we do all of one person's coverage, wherever the camera is, we do that coverage first. So we'll do all the wide shots first and then we'll do all the, We'll do we'll do Hannah's coverage and Hannah doesn't change so basically we'll do okay scene one this is what's happening okay action you get Hannah's we get Hannah's coverage and then okay we gotta go to scene two now okay Hannah uh, you need to be you need to be a little bit more weirded out because Scott's gonna be freaking out a little bit more about uh, oh my god he thinks it's day ten thousand but to you it's normal day so you need to be a little bit kind of a little bit more on edge and we'll just keep doing those like and we'll get all of Hannah's coverage and then when we move the co- move the camera let's say we move it over to Ben exact same thing we change it all up you change everything whatever you need to do set deck you need, if you need to change uh, direction obviously. And then when we get to, like, if I'm Bill Murray in this situation, we're doing my coverage. Scene one, bam, okay, costume change, go away. Set deck brings in all the stuff for all the junk food. And then same thing, same thing. And that's, like, that's a day's work. And I was just like, I was like, oh, my God. I was like, how long were they at this diner for? (laughs) They probably had that diner forever, like, for a long time to do this. Shut it down. Oh, yeah. Oh, totally. And and some of the things is, like, especially because when I work as an AD, I deal with, like, the background a lot. So... It's like that all those scenes with um, uh, Ned, who's played by Stephen Tobolowsky. The whole thing's like, no, is that oh Phil, Phil? Oh, it's Ned Ryerson, whatever. That all, all that street action. From an AD standpoint, it's great because you just get the background to do the exact same thing <laughs> literally every single time. But there's a quite a bit of coverage in that. So, okay, how much would you cover the scene? How are, how can you do it in a cost-effective way, in a time-effective way? But then also, that same scene changes blocking slightly because as Bill Murray goes more and more into the rabbit hole, you know, he starts moving around a little bit more. He starts changing things up. And I was like, oh my God, this is so interesting. And you just kind of like dissect it. Well, one of the cool things about that too is like as as Bill Murray's changing and the background actors have to kind of adjust to that, they're also, their motivation doesn't change at all, right? Yeah. So they're still on the same kind of, as if you want to call it, they're on the same rails that they are every day. So the rails mm-hmm. are getting disrupted, but they still have the same. So it's kind of interesting that they, they have to do the exact same thing every day, but they also have to account for the craziness that's also happening and then kind of readjust back onto the same rails. Yeah. And there's also subtle changes when, uh, as Bill Murray's becoming more and more like friendly with the town folk. So they reuse a lot of the same shots. And so every now and then you'll start, you'll start seeing like he'll interact with the background performer or he'll, or, or, or two background performers will be dancing differently. Like at the beginning of the Groundhog Day, the very first Groundhog Ceremony, you see this group, this couple swinging each other around. And Bill Murray, Bill Murray walks right past them. Towards the end, that action changes, and like they acknowledge Bill as if like he's he's done something for them. And he, you know, he goes around and helps all the townsfolk and everything like that. And I'm just like, oh, it's okay, so interesting. Like that 
is also affecting that's also expanding his world and and in that world building it's like it's creating a bigger sense of scale for us and reinforcing the story of this of this character it makes the world feel so real yeah, yeah. and there is a big like emotion change as the movie goes on like I, I noticed, like, as he starts to learn his life lesson, like, people, you do feel the film change. In, there like, is a tonal shift, yeah. There's yeah. a tonal shift where, like, it just gets happier. And I think that's why this movie has kind of, it's never been one of my favorite movies. How dare think, you? <laughs> I'm so sorry. I think it's because the, the cynicism of Bill Murray at the beginning, it's so, like, sharp and so harsh and to be honest, kind of reminds me of certain people in my life already. And knowing what it's like to try to deal with those kinds of people, and I'm sure I have been that person multiple times too, which I think is why it's so hard for me to watch it. Um, and the movie, it shoots out that feeling at you when you're watching it like for the first <laughs> That's the best way I can describe it. Like, the <laughs> Like, I, I would think the scene where he's, I can't really remember where it happens at place, but where he, he starts talking to Andy McDowell about how he's lived the same day over and over again. And like when he's, the, the turning point is definitely the homeless man. And then when he's like playing the piano in the gym and like everyone just seems so happy <laughs> that he's around. And it's like, that's where it really, like, I started to feel it yeah. uh, emotionally. I don't know. If it, it really it really drives home kind of the old adage of um, before other people can accept you, you have to accept yourself. Yeah, you know? for yeah. sure. Which, again, it, just like half the things I've said this episode sounds super cheesy, but it's true. It It's really, really true. Well, it's also a movie from the 1990s, so. Yeah, a movie's almost as old as, uh, almost as old as us. I was shocked that for a 1993 movie, they had a character as creepy rapey as that. Yeah, well, you'd what be did surprised. you think it was going to be rapier? No, yeah, <laughs> I was like, well, this is too tame for 1993. <laughs> um, no, I just thought I was like, oh, really? That recent, eh? And that was still like people yeah. didn't people didn't clue in, and maybe that's because I'm a male. But um, yeah, there's a there's a lot of that, and and that podcast that I'm listening to, the West Wing thing, um, that has kind of ruined West Wing for me. Um, <laughs> It was happening in that show. Oh, yeah. Like, big time. Like, creepy boss, who I used to have a giant crush on years ago, and now I'm like, I... Creeped <laughs> out by him a, a bit? Other, that's, <laughs> a, that's a whole other <laughs> discussion. But, yeah, like, that, that stuff has been in movies and television shows, like, kind of behind the scenes for a really long time. Oh, and, totally. Or not even behind the scenes, right well, on the screen. On camera, yeah. <laughs> Well, it was weird. Like, I was talking to my dad earlier today. I was just checking in on him, and I mentioned, because uh, he's an avid listener. Hi there, uh, father. Thanks for listening. Um, uh, and we were we were talking. I was just saying, oh, yeah, we're going to talk about Bill Murray today, uh, Groundhog Day. And then I mentioned to him, I was like, I can't believe it was like, like that sort of tone was around in the 1990s. I was like, oh, man, you think it would be forever ago? And then he was like, oh, no, it's been around forever. Yeah, people are stupid. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, good. I'm glad my dad knew all of this stuff and like wasn't a part of it. It makes it just like time flies. Like you think it was forever ago, you know what I mean? But it's recent and it's real and it's in your face. Uh, and people have had to deal with it forever. And it's, Absolutely. Uh, it's sad. It's really sad. The good thing about it is that it's not played as normal. And that, like, it's played like Bill Murray is a creep. It's yeah. not shying away from the fact that, like, he is a creep. It is shining a light on it and being like, no, this is this is not behavior that you should be doing. Exactly, Which yeah. is kind of refreshing because and while it is shocking, it's definitely, like, not absolving him of those actions. No, it, do it doesn't glorify it. Yeah, no. at no point do you feel bad for Bill Murray. You're, you're not sitting there like, yeah, no, he deserved to have sex with her. <laughs> like, you're yeah, not, no. yeah, you're not, uh, you're not feeling like, yeah, no, she owes him. Not, and she, uh, she even calls him that. out on it. Like, she's like, yeah. This, yeah. this is not right, this isn't how you do it, and leaves. Yeah. yeah. I feel like we've spent, like, 45 minutes talking about this one scene. <laughs> well, well, I mean, it's, it, 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 matters, is a very, right? it is a very critical scene to the movie, because, it, one, it shows bad behavior and calls out bad behavior, but two, it shows the change in his character. 
the arc that he follows. Well, that's the biggest thing, right? Like he goes, we experience his lowest low with him, right? And and if we, it was it was a weird thing because I was like, part of me was thinking, oh, did they go maybe a little too far with how with that with that vibe they were giving off of him? But at the same time, I was like, well, no. Like if we liked him even a little bit at the beginning, the change wouldn't affect wouldn't hit us as hard. You know, like yeah. he needs to be a piece of shit of a human in order for us to care about him and to see that growth. And it's a hundred percent right. It's just like in today's society, you're like, you look back at all these like older movies and you're just like, Oh God, like what were they thinking? You know? But I, I think even if it was made today, it would still have that same feel and like that, that same He'd totally still be a creep. Oh, absolutely. They might they might do the creep a little different. Yeah, it's like how far you go with it and how you execute it. That's all. I would kind of yeah. compare it to you guys have both seen the boys, right? The yes. TV show The Boys. Yes. I would kind of compare it to the uh, knockoff Aquaman scene um, (laughs) in the boys, because it's kind of a similar vibe where it's like he's he's playing like the kind of innocent like or whatever character, and then all of a sudden it turns and you realize like, and it it almost pushes it it does it a hundred percent pushes it farther than it does in Groundhog Day, so they're still showing stuff like that just in in a different way like you know. Just, just not with a character that you come to yeah. love. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, and it, it kind of is similar in the boys, where like you grow to just find him a little bit pitiful. But it's like you don't find Bill Murray pitiful; you grow to like that character. So yeah. it's yeah, it is a it's a bit different in that sense. <laughs> and plus, you also want to see him change, right? And that's why yeah. you root for him. That's why you like him. And that's and like you're wanting to him, like you're laughing at him because you're he's making all these terrible mistakes, and you're cringing because of what he's doing. But at the same time, you're like, oh come on, man, like get it together, let's go. And then when he finally does, it's rewarding. Yeah, I I will say uh, when anybody asks me about the weather, I want to respond the same way Bill Murray does. <laughs> Oh, yeah. When he's just extremely sarcastic and he's like, were you making a conversation or did you actually want to talk about the weather? <laughs> I also I also love the, the Airbnb or the bed and breakfast, rather. The uh, Airbnb. Uh, the... <laughs> The I want, like the the woman who runs that I think is so great. She's just like a cute little old lady, and then Bill Murray plants a smooch right on her, and I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> Honestly, crazy. Bill Murray is in top Bill Murray form in this movie. Yeah, oh yeah, like <laughs> absolutely. Bill Murray, Bill Murray kills it in this. He's so good. So I got a I got a quick question for you. Um, yeah, for everyone, um, <laughs> what was your favorite day in Groundhog Day? Um, I like the the piano day where he's in the gym with everyone i think that's that's like the most fun one that's that's the last day yeah i like that day ben's like the end of the movie what because everyone's just happy yeah sorry that sound that came out of my mouth sounding really really snarky and i did not mean it that way at all i like it that was legitimately a question I hate I hate happiness. <laughs> Scott, what was your favorite day? Tana's um, not going to stop laughing over there, so let's move on. I mean, I liked I I liked I liked how everything when everything comes together and everyone's got that vibe and things are meshing and he's starting to feel like this is life now and I'm just going to make the best of the situation. Um, but I also love when he goes to see the western movie and he dresses up and he tells his date who we never meet again or never see to begin with we really see him, we see that. him go on two dates that never you, you only see the the first girl at the movie theater when he yeah. says hi to her dressed up <laughs> yeah he like well he he meets the one girl i think it's i think her name's Nancy yep. and he gets all the information to come back another day to hit on her yeah that was creepy and asks her to asks her to marry him that's crazy but then like i think in the middle of it all where he like bill murray just clearly just he's doing stuff just for yeah. the shits of it like just yeah, just for shits just do whatever dresses up full costume go to go see a western and then his date who's like clearly like fucking like 19 <laughs> goes and she's like i thought this was the costume party <laughs> and she's dressed up as a maid and he's like yeah i really like this movie <laughs> And then he goes and then ta- Nancy walks by and he talks to Nancy for her. But I was like, this is But wild. the thing is, Nancy doesn't like, remember him when he says hi to her. Yeah. Yeah. And then she's like, who's that? 
and he says, oh, it's my ex-wife. And I'm like, this is brilliant. <laughs> this is so good. I think that day stands out to me. But yeah, I like my main thing is the execution of how the day is played out. Yeah. And how it gets faster and faster and faster. And it covers so much time. So you can literally think, oh, it's been a month or it can be, uh, you know, 10,000 years plus. You know what I mean? And I think this is just the skill of Harold Ramis playing through. Like, he's trying to do Inception before <laughs> Inception was a thing, you know? I've never um, thought about Groundhog Day as Inception, but now I can't <laughs> unsee it. I'm telling you, like... that. It was just Inception was just Groundhog Day with Leo. DiCaprio. I was going to say Bill Murray, Leo DiCaprio. They're pretty much the same level actor. No. Yeah, pretty, <laughs> pretty much. But yeah, no. I really liked. I just really liked how it was like pulled off. You know. What about you, Ben? What's your favorite day? Um, one day that always kind of stands out to me is the end of the first day when he goes on the joyride with the, the guys from the bar. Yeah, that's a good one. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah and it's one. just it, it's going back to what I mentioned earlier about when you first realize what's going on, you do the things that you know you're not supposed to do for that kind of cathartic release, right? Yeah. And that you can tell yeah. by the way he's ranting and raving as he's driving and not giving a shit about anything that that's his cathartic release that that's him dealing with the uh the frustration and the confusion based around the whole situation and just some of the lines that he has in that car and some of the reactions of the two guys like the one guy who got so drunk he can't open the door and he's like i don't think i should be driving and bill murray's like no i don't think you should either and then he just takes him on an even crazier <laughs> joyride like <laughs> I love when he asks him, do you want to puke out here or do you want to oh, puke yeah. in the car? <laughs> or when the cop walks up to the door and he starts placing an order for takeout. Also, yeah. there's that yeah. little scene too in that in that section where they're sitting in the bar and uh, the guy is going on about some people would see this glass as half full. Uh, some people would see it as half empty. You would see it as half empty, wouldn't you? Like, And it just kind of, it's like hinting again at like the kind of person bill murray is without like flat out being like you're a real sad sex son of a bitch aren't you (laughs) 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 they just kind of do it in like a a neat way which i liked absolutely a little less on the nose and a little (laughs) bit more character harold ramus is is incredible when it comes to character work in his movies and um yeah. And as, as well as really witty dialogue. Yeah. So what um, what do we think, uh, Ben? Out of out of five groundhogs, <laughs> how many of them pop out of their hole for oh you? Oh my god! I think uh, I think personally, all five groundhogs see their shadow. I don't. I'm not a fan Guys, of this rating systems. Really yeah, gone through. I'm the not roof. a big fan of Groundhog Day itself, like the the holiday. But I love this movie. Five out of five. What okay, it doesn't matter what the rating system is. I I, I absolutely adore <laughs> this movie. Five out of five. Whoa. Okay. Uh, Hannah, how many groundhogs pop out of their hole for you? <laughs> Can we stop? If you know what I'm saying. I don't. I really, really don't. I'm just gonna cut out that section. Of the podcast. <laughs> This is really important to me, guys. This, our rating systems are Can very Can you important. send that cli- audio clip uh, to okay. me of just Scott right, saying okay, you know here. what I'm saying? Ghoulie. Um. Okay. Uh, let me restart the whole thing then. Okay. Uh, ben, uh, what do you what do you want to give this out of uh, five out of five days? How many of them are groundhog days? <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Is this like a reverse scale? Okay, we're gonna, we're, Okay, we're gonna take that from the top. Okay, I, I kind of like the the groundhogs popping out their holes. It's ridiculous. You, th- we've got five groundhogs in the in their holes right now. <laughs> How many of them pop out? <laughs> ben, go. <laughs> Can't breathe. <laughs> Hannah, how many groundhogs pop out of their hole for you? Four. Four groundhogs. Four out of five groundhogs pop out of their little hole for you. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we should be doing this with, like, stereotypical East Coast Canadian accents. Hey there, Scott. How how many groundhogs are popping out of their holes? Oh, man, so many groundhogs are popping out of their holes. My chair's going. It's going so fast. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. No, but oh, my chair's going. Oh, the chair's going. Boys, I'm dying here. Oh, they I'm s- dying here. They just, they just, they just startled me. They're just popping right out. Oh gosh, kicked my chair back so far. 
I don't think that answered uh, the question. How many? Uh... <laughs> We're doing this again. Okay. <laughs> oh th- no, Ben, you never answered. Oh, I'm right. Answer. I was too busy laughing. <laughs> um, five five groundhogs out of five groundhogs. <laughs> Five groundhogs out of five groundhogs <laughs> pop out of their little hole there for you. <laughs> and, a, and Scott, out of five stars, how many would you give them? Stars! <laughs> oh, fuck you! Um, I, I, would give this, I would give this a solid four. Fo- solid four groundhogs popping out of their five groundhog holes. Oh, I, I am sorry, Jordan. <laughs> if you can figure out what the hell just happened... <laughs> I will love you forever. <laughs> All right, time for the outro. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that wonderful cue. Let's keep that in as well. And that's been the Winchester's review of Groundhog Day. Catch us next week where we talk about 1983's War Games. Hannah, where can the good people find you? Everyone can find me online at Shiny Bad Guys. And Ben, hit us with those details. I am the Ben Bray on Instagram and Twitter. And I'm Scott. You can find me on all social media at SCAP. That's S-C-A-Y-P. And you can find our wonderful editor, Jordan Moore, on Instagram at ThatJorMoore. Please make sure to rate, review, subscribe to us on iTunes and all other platforms where you get your podcasts. It would really help us out, and we would appreciate it. You can join in on the conversation by following us on all social media at WinchesterCast or heading to our website, WinchesterCast.ca. Don't forget to use the hashtag WinchesterCast. The Winchester does not do any hardcore advertising as purely word of mouth because, well, we're poor. So every share, every mention, every hashtag really helps in getting the Winchester out there. That's all for us. Thanks for popping by the Winchester. Pew, 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 pew.